Thanks for joining us once again for another in our installment of episodes with Summit Point, the Behavioral Health Authority in Calhoun County, Michigan, Battle Creek, and surrounding areas. This is episode 31. If you can imagine, we've talked about many of the programs that Summit Point has in place, assisting folks in Calhoun County who may need it. And if you haven't had an opportunity to hear some of those, invite you to do that. Boy, uh, it is just incredible, the reach that Summit Point has in the community and its effects on folks who seek their assistance. Joining us today to talk about something called permanent supportive housing, Dr. Kim and Haley are here, both of whom help to oversee these programs. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good morning. So, Dr. Kim, I'll start with you. Let's just start at the beginning. Seems like a good place, right? Uh, what Absolutely. Is, what is permanent supportive housing? Permanent supportive housing is a model, an intervention that is used to really target chronic homelessness. So we know that homelessness and the unhoused, it's a big problem that faces our community as well as a lot of communities. So this is an intervention that combines affordable housing assistance, with support services to address the needs of those individuals. So it helps to build living and tenancy skills, connect people with community-based resources, and also help engage them in healthcare, just providing some extra supplementary support as well as accessible, affordable housing to kind of combat that homelessness. Right. And we'll get into this more, but it sure sounds in your answer, Dr. Kim, that uh, there's some root cause investigating and targeting that goes on with this. Why, why does this happen, right? You have to drill down into that. Absolutely. Like so many things, there's so many barriers and things come up, people fall on hard times and, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. And we, this side of a pandemic, I like to say, but we're certainly not through it. And, you know, that can really pose barriers to employment, to financial security resources. And so, you know, we can really find ourselves in these situations unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So Haley, you're involved in, in the day-to-day oversight of the operations, that old rubber meeting the road thing. So when you meet someone who becomes a customer, what do you want to have happen? How do you evaluate that situation? I have a assessment that I do with them. Um, It includes a record of their homelessness. We go through their file and verify their homelessness since that is such a big part of the program. And then also we determine disability because that has a big part to do with the people we service as well. Um, The people we service have chronic homelessness, meaning 12 months or more in in a row or four episodes in the last three years. And they also have a disability. I see. So there, there has to be that combination of things that gets your attention. Correct. We also um, have a few customers who are domestic violence survivors. So we also service that community as well. Okay. So there you have it. Let that sink in just for a second. The notion that there are some significant factors at play that then typically, I think, require the assistance of professionals such as yourselves. So I think you'd say, Dr. Kim, that most of the time these situations don't go away on their own. No, certainly not. And and as Haley, I'm sure can attest to even more than I can that these things get worse 
individuals who are battling a physical disability, a mental health disability, or both, there's a lot of barriers to access to appropriate treatment and basics, social needs, like community supports, food security, housing security, um, things like that. So absolutely, without these kinds of programs and, and additional kind of boosts to make things equitable for people, we really see these situations get a lot worse. Haley, what's the goal then? Is it to um, give them a roof over their head on a a significant timeline and then see that they have other needs met as well, the perhaps uh, other root causes of, of their uh, being unhoused is now being addressed as well? Or do you stick with them on a temporary basis? What's the usual progress that you see? I have 13 customers that um, will most likely be on the program permanently. In order to not be on the program anymore or be removed from the program, they have to be able to make 110% of their rent I see. expense. Mm-hmm. So if they're on disability, social security, then chances are they're not going to be able to make that, especially with the rising rental cost. Right. So how do you guide them then in situations like that, where you know you, you're going to help them over a, a long period of time? What are the goals that you set for them? They set their own goals and things that they want to do in six months and also in a year. They set those goals because obviously they have to be attainable for themselves, correct? A couple of the goals that I've seen is just to maintain um, sobriety or maintain uh, their mental health services or maintain therapy in some sort of way. Those are a lot of the goals that I normally see with them. Make sure they're getting haircuts every month or every so often. Those are the type of things that these individuals are focused on because being homeless, they weren't able to focus on them because they weren't able to maintain their housing. Mm-hmm. So their money was going everywhere else. Yeah, more significant and uh, pressing issues to consider than than those kinds of things. So, Dr. Kim, this really means, I think, that uh, there are other services that these folks are accessing through Summit Point based on what their needs are, right? There's a collaboration going on here. There is. Yep. So sometimes some of the people that Haley serves uh, through this program uh, aren't necessarily customers of Summit Point. Maybe they have been in the past. Maybe they will be in the future. It's kind of on an as needed basis, which is why it's kind of nice that she's that center point, because although she's not providing oversight to their mental health treatment, she has endless resources to connect them. So she's definitely encouraged our customers over to first step our urgent care or helped pick them up and make sure they had transportation to an appointment just so they didn't miss. So absolutely, those things happen in tandem. And we really see in programs like PSH, it's a more cost-effective solution over time to these kinds of issues because people who are in more consistent housing, they're probably utilizing crisis services less often. They're utilizing shelters, hospitals. Um, They're ending up in the jail system less often as well. So we just see better longevity in these kinds of programs. Yeah. Boy, you mentioned jail system. Uh, I suppose, Haley, some of these folks with whom you've worked have been in and out of the the jail system just by virtue of their situation. Is that true? Correct. I haven't seen um, but one person who has been incarcerated 
since I've been dealing with yeah. the Permanent Supportive Housing Program, mm -hmm. um, which stemmed from something prior to me becoming the manager of the program. Your observation then, I think, would be that um, if you're able to keep these supports in place, they're going to stay out of jail, right? Yes. Yeah. So talk about that. Then you get them stabilized, I guess is uh, the word. They they have a roof over their head. Now they're getting some of the, the root causes of their being unhoused addressed. Do most folks then, with your support, stay stable? For the most part, yes. There is times that they, I've had a couple of customers who have became unstable, but we've got them back stable. Okay. Um, with the supports, because we were able to recognize that they needed more support or that they needed to be guided in the right direction to make sure that they were staying stable or getting back to that service. Mm -hmm. If there's anything I've learned chatting with, with your colleagues about various programs, uh, that uh, there could be a number of wrenches that that get in the spokes and then there's there's challenges involved in that that's probably fair to say here dr kim right i mean there's uh there's a lot of things happening any one of which could derail the progress or or postpone some of the momentum that's gone on oh absolutely absolutely um like Haley said a lot of folks that we serve stay pretty stable and and they can seek out and meet those goals they've set they can seek out employment or, or other opportunities there's still a lot of independence in this program and so if people aren't making it to their appointments they're not engaging in other services or other things we can absolutely see things derail quite quickly Haley you know one of the things we heard over the the pandemic, particularly when things were really shut down and folks were home more, the, the notion of domestic violence statistics with mm -hmm. the potential to increase because now uh, a person who might be housed with someone who's uh, violent toward them, they were with them all the time uh, as opposed to leaving to go to work or whatever the case might be. Did you see that bear out in the circumstances of the folks with whom you work? I think it's still an issue um, with people still not going to back to work as much. I have a couple of individuals who were domestic violence victims who were a part of that. I have got them housed separately now, and they are moving forward. Boy, this is a whole other discussion we could go on with for hours, probably. But now this is a a more complicated set of circumstances when we're talking about domestic violence. I mean, uh, you probably have a pathway that uh, uh, folks with whom you work generally take, but when to be housed, that is, but when they're not, or when they are victims of domestic violence, now some of those options probably aren't possible, right, Haley? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Some of them are placed outside of the county that they were abused mm -hmm. and um, are fleeing from. Um, some of them know where their abuser would find them and they're able to stay away from that side of town or that area uh -huh. or whatever that case may be. But most of the time I've seen them relocate counties. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, in terms of um, the practical nature of this, Dr. Kim, we talk about 
finding a place for someone to live, this is a whole other batch of circumstances that have to be met. So how do you go about that, just generally speaking? When someone needs a place to live, how do you find it? That's a huge part of the program. Haley spends a ton of time seeking out locations, building relationships with landlords who will then kind of signal to her when they have units available. And so Mm. she's done a lot of work on the ground in the community of just building relationships with people and finding those places that are safe, that are going to be affordable with landlords that are willing to work with the program. Yeah, it's a lot of time and a lot of legwork, honestly, just to build those relationships and, and seek those placements out. Yeah. And I would imagine too, that that a landlord has to be somewhat flexible and, and want to be assistive in this way because they know uh, these folks have been vulnerable and and um, and they're seeking your help. So that's a special person, right? That That's uh, willing to do that true? Absolutely. Yeah. Those partnerships are really valuable and those relationships are so important because they have been kind enough to collaborate with Haley because our customers are on their own leases. They are responsible for these things, even with the support of our team. And so it's wonderful when the landlords are willing to work with us and partner with us in that way to have a collaborative experience to support those individuals. I like to ask this question and uh, folks who've been listening to this series have heard me ask it before. Haley, think of a uh, success story you've seen as it relates to the Permanent Supportive Housing Program. Maybe you can share a little bit of that with us. I think that a most successful story or customer situation would be the one who had returned to jail because he went through so many supports and he now has that behind him and he is moving forward. He's back working he is engaging in services and he is stable. Mm-hmm. His new goal is to get his license back and to purchase a vehicle. So this is key, isn't it, Dr. Kim? The, to, the part, I meant to bring this up sooner, but the part about the goal setting, they have to do that, right? I mean, they have to uh, say, yes, I want to do this. And they have to be motivated in that direction and encouraged by all of you, I would imagine. Otherwise, it doesn't work, right? Absolutely. Although, as Haley mentioned, these folks might be in the program long-term or forever. There's a lot of other things that we want to help them achieve just by removing the concern of where they're going to sleep at night. And so absolutely, goal setting is a big part of that. We want to be supporting other skills uh, along the way, even if they're personal development skills, employment skills, just other things to help enrich their lives and, and increase their independence. So I'm sure you have a success story you can call to mind too, right? (laughs) I have, yeah. There's a a couple of individuals, but I find it's so valuable, the relationships that are built. And again, I can't praise Haley enough for the work that she does um, in the community, but we've seen the people that immediately come to mind in terms of successes are folks who have as she mentioned become unstable, they get disengaged in services, they decompensate, they end up in the hospital or in a crisis situation. Sometimes um, we've had some individuals who we lose touch with, or we're not sure where they are. You know, we, we fall out of touch, Haley. We'll try to go meet them, call them on the phone, nothing, we don't hear from them. And then we're able to kind of figure out where they are, or they get back in touch, and we're able to kind of mend that, get the train back on the tracks and re-engage them. Um, just that persistence and the commitment to continuing to grow, I think is just the biggest success. And I'm so grateful that we have a team like this that can kind of support that re-engagement, because we know that things happen, they're not always going to be perfect. So I think those individuals who fall into a crisis situation, but are able to 
kind of course correct are my favorite success stories. Well, I've said this to some of your colleagues after having listened to their stories, and now I'm going to say it to the two of you. You really are probably saving some lives here. You realize that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about rewarding. Truly. It's really humbling. Well, congratulations on, on all the work you've done. And the permanent supportive housing program is part of Summit Point. And if you'd like more information, the uh, website is linked in the show notes for this episode. And you can click right through Dr. Kim or Haley or uh, any of the team that's able to will be glad to answer your questions. Thanks to you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.